The music starts to play. The room feels electric. And you're waiting in anticipation for the show to start. The crowd starts cheering the headliner's name. Wait, what is that? They're chanting, Moms? Suddenly, the curtain opens and a woman dressed older than she is walks on stage. The crowd goes wild. Wearing the dress that is in clashingly bold print, a matching floppy hat, and for some reason no teeth, she looks pretty unassuming. You'd figure with a name like Moms, you'd be in for a rather tame night of stand-up comedy. But you couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, they don't call her the mother of stand-up for being polite. Moms Mabley was wittier, smarter, and raunchier than the competition. Or at least she would have been if she had any competition. I was mad to one old man and he died. Thank goodness. (laughs) But mom got broke and the wintertime coming on, didn't have no money, and I married another old man. (laughs) Older than the other one. Old. Older than his birthday. (laughs) And ugly. As you can tell, moms, like all good comedians, has a distinct voice, style, and pace that she crushes her jokes with. Over her stand-up career that lasted nearly 60 years, moms had perfected her craft. She was born Loretta Mary Aiken, and she had a horrific childhood. While still a young teenager, she had put two kids up for adoption, and both of her parents died in unexpected and troubling ways. Her dad died on the job as a firefighter, and her mom was hit by a car on Christmas a few years later. With 15 brothers and sisters, there wasn't much she could do at home. So she ran away to pursue show business. It was the early 1900s, and she was a descendant of enslaved people, and so going into show business wasn't going to be easy. Loretta started off working in minstrel shows and then moving up to vaudeville. As she began to refine her comedy style, Loretta became a mentor to other aspiring comedians, which is how she got her nickname, Moms. She got Mabley from an ex-boyfriend, who she said had taken so much from her, the least she could do was take his name from him. She was iconic. Moms originally started wearing her signature dresses that somehow matched and clashed at the same time, and had to play on African-American stereotypes at the time. Once she got older, she started taking out her dentures to perform because it added to her old mother persona. On stage, she joked about loving younger men, reluctantly dating old men, and all that goes with it. Her signature line being, ain't nothing an old man can do for me but bring me a message from a young man. Moms had perfected the image she projected to her audience. She became one of the highest paid comics of her time. At the peak of her career, she made today's equivalent of roughly $160,000 a week. People from all over, regardless of race, were obsessed with her. Moms knew how to hold her audience's attention, how to make them fall in love with her. 
she could keep them engaged with her signature style and animated facial expressions. In a career based in telling, Moms excelled at showing her captivated audience the world as she experienced it. She didn't shy away from telling stories of race relations, even when her white audience might have disconnected. She joked about sex and dating younger men when those topics were highly taboo and would bring up politics even if it would alienate people. Her personal brand of a welcoming persona with an unexpected edge was phenomenal. Mom's career lasted 60 years because she was an incredible comedian and an expert communicator. And considering we as CX leaders want to be expert communicators, we wanted to look at how the heck she was so successful. She had so many funny stories that she must be telling tales from her own life, right? Not so fast. Turns out, Mom's had a few tricks up her sleeve. So thanks so much for being here. We have a great show for you tonight coming up. We're going to hear more about Mom's. We also got Grad Khan here, former CMO of Microsoft, the CXO of Sprinkler, and the word on the street is he has quite the set. Although we don't have a two-drink minimum here at Often Imitated, why not let loose? Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is all about using your brand's voice to show and not tell. How Moms Mabley, one of the first comedians, was able to do it, and what CX leaders can do today to follow in her footsteps. On this episode, we talk with Greg Kahn, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler and previous CMO of Microsoft, about what it takes to communicate effectively with your customers. But first, a word from our sponsors. Often Imitated is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. So Moms was clearly an icon in the comedy industry, but what she represented offstage was equally, if not more impactful. In addition to being the first female comic to headline the Apollo Theater and also perform at Carnegie Hall, Moms was also the first openly gay comedian in America. On stage, she was frumpy and obsessed with men, but offstage, she was stylish, always put together in beautiful androgynous clothing and openly living life as a proud lesbian. Moms is an inspiration for women, people of color, and members of the LGBTQIA community today. But she was a trailblazer for people back then. She showed that you could absolutely have it all, no matter who you were. Her voice and personality kept her relevant, regardless of the incongruence between lifestyles portrayed on and off stage. Her cleverness and wit remained a constant that shone through. Even attempting to have a comedy career between the 1910s to 1970s while being a gay black woman sounds borderline impossible. To be able to do it with such success is exceptional. And when people went to see her show, they had an idea of what to expect, and they would be swept off their feet once they experienced her live. It wasn't just going to a comedy show, it was stepping into the life of someone else. Moms was a character, 
she knew how to get you laughing without realizing that maybe it was you she was poking fun at. Moms was clever and ethereal. Anyone who listens to her comedy can tell that they're about to experience something unique. And in fact, I'm not really doing a very good job explaining this at all because you need to go listen to her rather than hear me tell you about it. And that's because it's all about showing, not telling. We want our customers to have the same experience. So we chatted with Grad Khan, Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, and he has a great insight on how to do this. But first, let's hear a little bit more about Sprinkler. So Sprinkler is uh, described as a unified platform for customer-facing functions. So let me just parse that apart for you a little bit. So let me do the customer-facing functions part first. So when we say customer-facing functions, we're talking about any function in the company that touches a customer directly. So as opposed to say SAP, which is all back office, uh, we're focused on what people sometimes call the front office. And so these customer facing functions are things like marketing, um, selling, advertising, research, customer care or customer service, depending on how you phrase it, uh, all the stuff that customers are seeing and engaging with. And, and typically in most companies, all those functions are separate and they're all using separate applications. So customer experiences generally are quite disjointed across multiple industries. I mean, I would say that's the rule is that customer experiences are disjointed. The unified platform piece, the beginning of it, is that what we believe and what we've you know, done many, many times with some of the world's largest companies is that if you can put all the information about the customer and all the functions that you want to you know, do with the customer in one spot, in one platform, you allow collaboration to occur in the company around a common data profile of the customer. And that allows you to have a much better experience with the customer. We know that connecting customer experiences across several industries and platforms is a tall order. Since Sprinkler is such a revolutionary product, giving the customer clear communication is a necessity. But in a world of so many voices, how do you make yours stand out? In this sort of era of conversational marketing, it's not enough just to, to tell people what they should think about a brand. And I use this one example, which I, I'm a big fan of, which is, you know, who are good communicators, right? Who are the best communicators out there? And I think some of the best communicators on the planet are comedians. Uh, so let me, and I'll talk about this for a second. So, and imagine that a comedian had a creative brief, you know, a typical creative brief, you've got a creative strategy, you've got a reason why, and you've got a brand character. Now for most comedians, their, their reason why and their brand character can be quite different and quite unique, but they all have the same strategy. So the, the strategy, you know, typically a strategy statement is to convince the audience that Ty gets clothes cleaner or something like that. So for every comedian, their strategy statement is absolutely identical. They all have the same goal to convince the audience that they're funny. That's it. Now, typically if a marketer were to take that creative brief and be, you know, thrust on stage, they would say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, communicate my message. And the marketer would say, I'm funny. I know that I need to get a frequency of about seven for people to remember a message, right? So I'm funny. I'm funny. I'm funny. Maybe I'll get a testimonial. Someone from the audience say, yep, grad's really funny. Maybe I'll hand out some flyers because I know multimedia works. And when people leave that performance and someone says, you know, how was it? How was the act? The audience members will say, well, you know, he said he was funny. So they got the message but they're probably not going to go see that performance again. And too many marketers do this. They tell people what to think. And increasingly, people are resistant to that. Gred 
this one hits way too close to home. Because this is how we often feel as CX leaders. We are spending so much time telling people how great we are. We're telling people how easy their product is to use. We're telling people how much value they're going to get. And it all garners a similar response. Well, they told me they were great, but a comedian operates in a completely different mode. Now, a comedian is much more intelligent about how they do this. So a comedian will send out a stimulus. The stimulus they send out is a joke. As an audience member, you hear the joke, and not every time, but often, uh, if it's a good comedian, you'll laugh. And while you're laughing, you think to yourself, wow, she's really funny. But you made that conclusion on your own. So you, it's a very tightly held belief because you decided that she was funny because she got a reaction from you from a stimulus that she sent out. And so after the show, someone says, how was the act? You'll say, oh my God, she was hilarious. Super funny. You should totally see her. And that's where, that's a very subtle shift that marketers need to make, which is we've gotten so used to just telling people in broadcast media how they should think about us. But we now live in a world where people are deciding how to think about us based on the experiences that we land and based on the opinions of others. So there's all these stimuli that are essentially telling me how to think about a brand and the brand can be saying whatever they want. Those stimuli are the things that are going to drive it. And so we're moving into a world of comedians, not a world of marketers. And so how do you actually sort of use that as a way of talking and managing and sort of communicating? When it came to reading the room and getting positive feedback from the audience, Moms Mabley led the pack. In a time when it seemingly would have been impossible for someone like her to pull ahead in the industry, she had people from every demographic laughing along and sharing her name. Her unassuming outfits and demeanor meant that she could surprise the audience with edgy topics like race, romance, and politics. She played a raunchy, crazy grandma who spoke whatever was on her mind. And she showed people she was funny by keeping her unique brand of comedy front and center. And there's a reason why she was the most famous female comedian of her time. It wasn't because she told people she was funny. It's because she knew what her audience wanted and delivered. Grad has another great example of a brand's comedic communication. So here's an example from Xbox. I'll go back to Microsoft. So Xbox got somebody, and this is a, a public example. Xbox got someone who was playing uh, one of the first-person shooter games, uh, and they, were, they had lost their squad. So typically you'll have three or four players all playing together as a squad, often they're friends, and it's very difficult to play these games without a squad because you know, there's people from behind and front, et cetera. So he lost his squad. He was complaining that he lost his squad and was having trouble finding a new one and Xbox was making it hard. And so Xbox jumped into the conversation it's on Twitter and very helpfully made some suggestions on how he could find a squad. And he was a little edgy on the first one. The second message, his reply to Xbox's helpful reply was inappropriate. Like just really like, you know, a whole bunch of negative stuff and um, you know, negative stuff about the platform, et cetera, just not helpful and, and not nice. And so Xbox had three choices. They could ignore it. They could continue to be helpful or they could do what they did. And so they replied to his not very nice message with, a, I thought just a brilliant reply, which is they said, ah, and now we see why you don't have any friends. <laughs> this got onto Reddit because people started posting on Reddit and thousands of people weighed in on this conversation. Not everybody thought it was a cool thing for Xbox to do, but most did. And that's the, the, the issue on conversational marketing now is that when you're having conversations with people, 
they're not always going to like the conversation. And I think the thing we fooled ourselves into believing in the broadcast era is that we could create a message that would offend no one. That was never true, but we could kind of make believe, we could kind of squint our eyes and look through our eyelashes and sort of make believe that that was true. In the conversational marketing era, we can tell right away when people don't like what we've said because they say it to us. And it's a, quite frankly, a lot like a comedian. No comedian that I've ever seen has everybody laugh at every joke. Like just, it's not true. No one ever laughs at every joke. Every comedian bombs on some jokes. Some comedians nobody likes or only one person likes, but there's always a variety of points of view. And we have to, as brands, start to get comfortable with that. And you can see Microsoft having a very sophisticated perspective there and really be able to embrace that and be able to say, hey, I'm okay if not everybody likes me because I want to be true to my own brand voice. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, brands need to try to become a few people's most favorite thing. And that's where you get momentum from. If you pablumize your message to the point where you're offending no one, you'll also appeal to no one. That Xbox interaction is objectively hilarious. But taking that bold of a move when it comes to how you communicate with your customers can be scary. After taking a chance, do you engage with the hecklers? Or do you have the bouncer throw them out? It depends. Are you focused on selling Xboxes? Or are you focused on making your customers love Xbox? I think the, the shift that companies need to make is they need to make this shift from thinking about their product as the center of the universe to thinking about their customer as the center of the universe. And the beauty and the power of that is that the truth is that the customer already is the center of the universe. The only reason that you have money as a company to pay your employees is because customers are giving it to you. Now, if you go to most people's sites or most people's motions, they're all feature and product related. And people organize their everything around their products. That's not, why not organize it around your customers? Uh, why not, why don't I go to your site and why don't I see a customer list? And I'll say, I'm like that person or that's a person I aspire to be. And then connect me to what that person buys and what that person likes to do and what that person says about the brand and maybe even actually connect me to that person. Like make it customer to customer. And I, I don't think I've seen anyone actually do it that radically. Um, but that to me is the future that, you know, we will sell based on, hey, you look a lot like um, Sue and this is what she's saying about it. And that to me is the natural evolution of where we are today. And that's where companies are going to have to go. Making your customer the center of your universe is crucial. Communicating that with them is imperative. Whether you're perfecting your tight five or engaging with customers on Twitter, Getting your point across can be like walking a delicate tightrope. So be sure you're showing your customers how great they can be when they use their products, not telling them how great the features and benefits are. When you stay committed to what they want, the customers will follow. And regardless of the outcome, hopefully there will be some laughs along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. This is your host, Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Thank you for listening to another episode of Often Imitated. If you like what you're hearing, just go tell one friend. 
and hopefully tell them that this episode was funny. This podcast was narrated by me, Ian Faison, and produced by Mackie Wilson, Ezra Baker Trippiano, and Ben Wilson. You can learn more about our team at CaspianStudios.com. classic older than his birthday you know that i actually uh that reminds me of time when i flew cross country my uh arms were tired then uh you know you, you ever have that airplane food they got on there on the airplanes and the little trays comes with you airplane food yeah it's uh it's pretty good these days honestly not gonna lie no joke here, just just shout out to the airlines for, for making some, you know, decent fare at an affordable price. That's all I got, Mackie.